This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located on 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Podcast, the podcast dedicated to all the canceled TV series in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. We're covering the next two episodes of Witchblade Season 2, Episodes 6 and 7. And now Mr. Seneca has a plot synopsis for Episode 6. Witchblade Season 2, Episode 6, originally aired July 8, 2002, Nailed. A psychotic serial killer of young girls who has a fetish for their fingernails becomes obsessed with Danny's niece. Sarah must rely on the Witchblade's visions to find the girl before she becomes the killer's next victim. Um, I don't know if we've... We, I definitely know we've never met Danny's niece up to this point, but uh, I think he mentioned he had a niece previous episodes. I believe he did, uh, but we don't see Danny's younger children in this episode either. Uh, they were sent away to a relative's house. This is a very interesting episode because it's a, a one-shot. Uh, we don't see this serial killer anywhere else. Uh, we might have seen an allusion to the serial killer in a previous episode because one of the T-shirts of, um, of a background character had hands that were prominently displayed, um, and I believe that was in uh, either uh, episode four or episode five uh, at the sushi restaurant. Uh, hands prominently displayed, so it might have been foreshadowing the psychotic killer, but up until this point, nothing has really been said about him. A lot of police protest outside of where the serial killer is getting uh, registered on the sex offender registry because he's uh, he went to jail for being a pedophile but did not go to jail for being a serial killer. Um, and Laszlo, Laszlo is um, there watching the whole thing. Sarah catches a glimpse of him, and then he disappears again. Um, yeah. He, yeah, uh, Lazar is just it kind of pops up everywhere. The uh, s- this guy acts like he's a rock star and he's getting uh, police protection. Yeah, uh, very unrepentant, and the whole reason that he was let out is because Danny screwed up the investigation and went inside his house without a warrant. Which, so none of that evidence was admissible. Which is being told in a meeting with the police run by. Uh, Captain Dante. We never see Joe leave the show, and Captain Dante, this is the first appearance of Captain Dante in season two. No mention of the White Bulls, no ulterior motives, no um, background information about where he's come from, and I think this is the only appearance of Captain Dante this season, um, mainly because we've watched the next three episodes, um, and there's only two episodes left after that for us to watch and record, but I don't think he makes another appearance this season. The entire White Bulls plotline was dropped. 
<laughs> yeah, Jake is not really doing his job for the FBI there. <laughs> no, but there's allusions to him working with the FBI in a coming episode. Um, and this killer wears a bracelet made out of acrylic fingernails. Uh, he is just blatantly shoving the idea in everyone's faces that he is a killer, but they're just not able to have anything stick to him. The uh, killer, uh, uh, one thing that really bothered me was Danny's facial hair it looks ridiculous. He's got like, he's got what's supposed to be a goatee, but it's like a few things on his chin. Um, I mean, he, he clearly shaved it this way and did not just grow this way. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Sarah meets up with Danny's niece, and uh, while uh, I was watching this, and uh, the serial killer is with the uh, in the diner with the uh, young girls, who all seem really, like, entranced by him, even though they know who he is, clearly. Um, he kind of reminds me of uh, uh, David... Uh, sorry, James Spader's character in The Secretary with Mag and Gyllenhaal. Really? Reminds you of that character? He looks he looks I... like him, yeah. Oh, He's I got mean, this whole, look, like, fetish, like, thing look... going on, too. Yeah, but James Spader's character in The Secretary was way more wishy-washy. He did not want to do what he was doing, and yet he did. This killer loves what he does. He enjoys killing. He enjoys torturing the women. He enjoys the sadistic pleasure of it. Um, that is, like, a critical difference for me. Um, he was on 22 episodes of Suddenly Susan, the actor who plays him, uh, Curry Graham. Uh, he was also on The Rookie, which is uh, Nathan Fillion's current show. He's been on Mad Men. He was on the uh, 2014 uh, Return of Dallas. He played Calvin Chadwick on uh, Agent Carter, the Marvel Comics series. And has uh, been in like a half a dozen different uh, productions and shows. Yeah, it seems that he tends to lean towards uh, cop dramas or uh, things of that sort. You know, very, very much uh, a lot of agent-like roles in his uh, IMDb profile. Ian looks ridiculous in this episode with his... Um, with his... Uh... <laughs> with his braids. <laughs> yeah, he's playing basketball, and he's got braids and then and long shorts with the huge chain on his, on his pocketbook. Yeah, he looks absolutely ridiculous. I don't get the reasoning behind his character this entire season. I mean... I get he's supposed to be being tortured by the ghost of Kenneth Irons, but he absolutely looks ridiculous. Yeah, he does. Uh, Danny and Sarah get into it in the boxing match. Right, because uh, Danny needs to let out his anger over um, the fact that he let the serial killer go, and he killed the girl that he met at the coffee shop, the one that he was flirting with. The one that was really yeah. entranced by him. The one that was stupid enough to give a uh, known pedophile serial killer... Her name, and she knew who he was. His name's been all over the news. Yeah, but, you know, she's just a stupid little girl. She's probably only 14, and she's still in her school uniform. So, uh, yeah, her friend said, don't give him your name, and she did. Yeah, Like a lot of serial killers, this guy is charming, and that is what draws in his victims. If this serial killer was alive today and uh, Danny displayed and was caught on camera on someone's cell phone the type of police brutality that he's showing him right now by beating him up in public, what would the reaction in today's public where um, the police are being uh, hashtagged defund the police? Honestly, in this situation, I think the public would let it pass because it is uh, a pedophile. 
the public hates pedophiles in any sort of way. So the cops beating up a pedophile, I think the the public would let it go. That's what we need. We need <laughs> we need a pedophile. The cops need to beat up on camera, and they'll turn the cops around to our they'll, they'll turn the public around to the cops' favor. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you need more than that. Well, <laughs> a whole reform there. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, you know. Uh, there's uh there's a lot of good the cops do that's not nearly caught on camera. Um, just uh, some really bad videos sometimes being stitched together of like why are the cops smashing in their own uh, police window? Oh, it's revealed because the police window was completely smashed to bits or whatever. And they had to remove it to drive the vehicle out of the riot. Well, that's yeah. a lot better than like let's just post a video online of the police smashing in their own window. That was something that happened sure. recently in Boston. The police had to smash in their own window in order to get the car to move out of the way. So because they couldn't see out of the broken windshield, um, just it was just it was spiderwebbed. And uh, the uh, person who videotaped it posted online that the police were smashing and, and vandalizing their own car to blame it on the riots. Yeah. Only to come around for the truth to come out. Yeah, but there is a lot of videos of actual truth of the cops behaving badly. Um, yeah, there's a yeah. Lincoln Park poster hanging on the wall in the alley when they're, um, when, uh, Danny is beating up this scumbag. Do you think that they had ties, uh, with the station, uh, to get that placement? I don't know. I mean, Gabriel's always playing some music in the background. It's on such a low key that I couldn't figure out what it is, even playing Shazam, because Sarah and Gabriel are usually talking over it. Yeah, that's true. Danny's niece stays with Sarah, but uh, she goes to the bookstore, and that's where she meets um, – what's his name? Dalek? Uh, his his actual name is Carl Dalek, but the name that he gives her is Evan Whitechapel. And Whitechapel was the area in London that Jack the Ripper would actually uh, uh, stalk her, his prey. Yeah, very coincidence that he decided to uh, switch around, and so instead of prostitutes, he goes after um, – little girls, whereas Jack the Ripper only seemed to go after prostitutes. Why? Yep. Never quite revealed, but there are plenty of books written about Jack the Ripper to get into it there. I think the last movie about Jack the Ripper was uh, From Hell, the uh, based on the Alan Moore graphic novel. Yes, and that was a good movie, too. Not if you read the graphic novel and not if you're Alan Moore. Ah, well, I, I, did, not, I did not read the graphic novel. Right. The graphic novel is basically uh, like the size of an old phone book. Nowadays, a phone book is the size of a paperback novel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but back in the day, so, a phone book was pretty damn thick. <laughs> so this serial killer, there is the body of this Jennifer Rose on the ground, and this serial killer has the goal to still be at the crime scene. And he's taunting Danny, taunting the police. Right. It's like he's got kind of a, a death wish. He wants to die by a cop, and he doesn't succeed in the entire episode. Danny does not let his fury take over him, and uh, he goes to jail where he's supposed to be. The serial killer eventually gets Danny's niece, and while he's in Danny's home, and then he captures her, and then he's with her, I thought the whole thing reminded me of Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, the way he's dancing to the torture of her. Yeah, very much so. I mean, he's getting, like, off and getting aroused by what he's doing by it, and that's very similar to what Buffalo Bill would do. Yes, yes. Uh, it's very creepy. Uh, he's definitely being turned on by the sadism, hearing her cry. Uh, he has her hand in this kind of device, duct taped to the table, because he wants to rip the fingernails off of her hand 
and I guess replaced them with acrylic nails. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very weird. The actress that plays the niece does a really good job of, of playing the role of super scared, angry, etc. Um, her the actress's name is Mizuku Peck, and she was also in Night at the Museum. Who did she play in that? Uh, Sakajuia. Sakajuia at Night at the Museum. Why would she play Sakajuia? Sakajuia was a Native American. This is Hollywood, you know. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. I, I wish more Native uh, people was actually got the roles for Natives, but... Wow, uh, she played her in all three uh, versions of this movie, um, the two sequels. I only saw the second sequel. I never saw the third one. I haven't seen any of the sequels. The second yeah. one was okay, Battle at the Smithsonian. Um, that's basically the uh, they get a bunch of new exhibits. So they get the, the statue of Abraham Lincoln comes to life. There's a science wing, so they have um, – there's like a pop culture wing, and Oscar the Grouch and Darth Vader uh, appear in the movie. Wow. <laughs> but she's still working. Uh, she is on the TV series Madam Secretary as a cop in one of the episodes just last year. Right. Funny, there's something called Sapporo's Beer Pool Party, a video short that pops up on IMDb from 1997 – but it just got completed now? What? It's in production somewhere. Yeah. She's in a um her the IMDb photo is a picture of her in a bikini. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um uh, but yeah, just I guess I, I I did recognize her a little bit, but uh I guess they tan she gets a tan to play Sakajawea in the uh Night of the Museum movies. Mm-hmm. Uh Secret of the Tomb was the name of the third and final one. So Carl seems to have uh, an alibi for this murder of Jennifer Rose. He was getting a lap dance at a strip club somewhere. That's why he feels that he has the gall to just hang around the crime scene. Um, and then right after that, goes and steals Mizuka uh, from Danny's, I guess, house and, and tortures her at Danny's actual apartment. Why she wasn't staying at Sarah's place, I don't know. I mean, she should have still been staying at Sarah's place. That probably would have saved her. But Danny has a chance to kill her and doesn't, but his niece does um, when uh, they finally catch up to him. And uh, I think Sarah even believes that Danny has killed him. But uh, no, he walks out. He probably just fired his round. Yeah, he fires his round, and it makes you believe that he actually killed him. Killed him. But uh, I wonder if he just kind of shot the wall next to his head. You know, people do that in movies. Yeah, but he ends up... Uh, being locked away for this one particular attempted murder because there's all this evidence that says that, you know, he is an actual killer and uh, gets locked away at the end of the episode. They're probably going to be able to tie the the, um, the other girl to him and that will get him uh, locked up. Yeah, um, I would hope so. They can't obviously retry him for the previous killings that he got away with. Well, that's all the notes I have for this episode of a standalone serial killer of Witchblade. Um, the Witchblade didn't do a whole heck of a lot in this episode. This was mostly a detective story. So we're going to jump right next to the next episode, episode 7, Lagrimi Lag um Nails obviously referred to the um, what the serial killer did. That was pretty self-explanatory. But now we're going to jump into the next episode, Lagrimus? Lagrimus? Lagrimus. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um Original air July fifteenth two thousand two, uh, Lagrimus. Uh, it is Spanish for tears. Uh, during an investigation about a ritual murder, Detective Sarah Pazzini encounters a mysterious young man and falls in love at first sight. But nothing is like it seems. This man who gives a coin from cart office for paying 
for paying a beautiful gift to Sarah has a special agenda. And you're right. It does mean tears. Um, I'm trying to find out anything else about it, but it, it appears to be a Spanish word. So a lot of the what you would find on Google for this um, doesn't is not in English, but um, it says Lagrima Teardrop is a romantic prelude for solo guitar by Spanish guitarist Francisco Taraga. It is one of the best-known original com uh, compositions by Taraga. So other than that, there's no information about, about this word. So it just means tear, which yeah, makes sense because Sarah cries a lot in this episode. Um, it's, it's a very heartwarming episode. She cries a lot when it comes to somebody that uh, she's fallen in love with. Otherwise, she's a tough-as-nails cop, but every time they write a romantic lead for her, she turns into a blubbering, romantic, crying character. Which yeah, is you little... know, finally breaking breaking through that hard exterior to get into that soft, squishy inside. I don't like it. It's just like, okay, so she cries when somebody, you know, romantic lead dies, but everyone else is, you know, everything else is, is good to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, her romantic lead in this so... episode is not constant, it's not the guitar singer previously. In fact, I don't think he yeah, returns at all. No, it's Jeffrey Donovan from uh, Best Known as uh, Michael Weston from the spy show Burn Notice that was uh, co-starring Bruce Campbell every episode. Oh. Did you ever see it? Yeah. I did not. Seriously? Burn Notice was friggin' awesome. Ran from 2007 to 2013. The last season, a lot of people don't like. But from 2007 to 2012, it was great. And, of course, every episode has Bruce Campbell in it. He was the second lead in the in the show, and they even gave him his own movie, uh, a Burn Notice spinoff movie, uh, which a lot of people were hoping was going to turn into a TV series. But it was basically the origin of his character Sam Axe, who's a retired CIA agent. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of live TV and uh, cop dramas, even less so. This is not yeah, a cop drama. of an official. This is not a cop drama. It's fire department, isn't it? No, it's a spy show. It's a, it's a comedy spy show. It was a comedy Same thing to me. It was a co no, it's not. It's 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 it's, it's he's a uh, he's an ex spy too because he's a burnt spy. The whole perp the whole the whole title burn notice is what happens when a spy is left out in the cold. He's burned. All his contacts, all of his money, all of his help support gone. The CIA disavow any and all knowledge. He is left out wherever they leave him and he is stuck there too. Basically, he is not allowed to leave wherever it is they, they have dropped him off, and it just happens to be the worst part of Florida. <laughs> well, uh, it, it still sounds more like a cop drama than I usually watch. His mother on the show was one of the, possibly the best character ever. Um, Bruce Campbell had the best lines on the show, um, especially when he said, you know, spies, bunch of bitchy little girls. And then, and then he goes, and then, sometime, and, and then uh, the phone rings. Is that your mother calling again? <laughs> Uh, it was on USA Network. Honestly, I don't know of anybody who absolutely hated that show, and it was it was very beloved. Um, again, that final season was not great. They completely changed everything a lot about the show. Like Michael becomes like a, an assassin, um, and his friends have to redeem him. Uh, but uh, Jeffrey Donovan was also in uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch Two, which was pretty terrible. Um, and he was the captain that was preventing Angelina Jolie from finding out the truth about her son in the Clint Eastwood movie Changeling, oh. which was a heavily researched, uh, a 30-year research project by J. Michael Shazinski, 
he took like years to research this uh, story um, of the corruption of the LAPD in uh, the 1930s and find out that this girl, um, this woman whose son had gone missing and then was returned once again, uh, was revealed to not really be her son because when she was bathing him, uh, she found out that he is not circumcised. Oh. So, um, <laughs> but most recently, uh, Jeffrey was the voice of Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman Bloodlines, a uh, oh, DC direct to DC animated movie. So, but uh, on to the episode at hand. Um, Nottingham is talking to the ghost of <laughs> Kenneth Irons. And uh, Sarah is being burned at the stake, and that's when we meet uh, Jeffrey Donovan. And he's he comes across as a kind of an arrogant prick, but it's in a way that Sarah finds very alluding, especially after she's um, talking about what what type of man that she would want. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's got a laundry list of qualities, but he seems to tick off every single one. Uh, Danny asks Sarah, "Has anyone besides your doctor seen your panties in the last year?" <laughs> I think only your partner would get away with you asking that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh yeah. wait, I do have a pervy next door neighbor. I do have a pervy neighbor across the street that keeps his eye on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the meeting of these two at the cafe is, you know, love at first sight. They describe it, uh, but he, there is a, a an attraction between them that just knocks Sarah on her ass and. He is just so charming in his arrogance, and turns out that uh, his name is Jan Daniel Germain, and he is the mythical immortal man from um, Christian mythology called the Wandering Jew. Who can only uh, be uh, killed by the Witchblade, which is the Wandering Jew... I thought that was Judas Iscariot. Well, this is uh, Wandering Jew, it's... Uh, tale that began in the, the 12th or 13th century, and uh, it's supposedly about uh, Jesus taunting, or sorry, the um, soldier taunting Jesus as he was carrying his cross, which is illustrated in the show. Um, in a Christian legend, it was a Roman soldier who was the doorkeeper at the entrance of the palace of Pilate uh, at the time of our Lord's crucifixion. When Jesus was led out of the inns, he went too slow for Cotophis, and he struck him with his hand and mockingly said, Faster, Jesus, faster, why tarest thou? But Jesus pitifully looked at him and said, I go, but thou shalt tarry until I come again. In fulfillment of the Savior's prophecy, Cartophus was still waits in tears and anxiety for the judgment day. Only the Savior's own merciful prayer sustains him. The wandering Jew is also a plant that you could buy at your local plant store and hang. Yeah, quite pretty too. Yes, it is. I've seen it before. I was always wondering what's that. I think I I think I've asked somebody. I think I've been shocked by the name too, Wandering Jew. And I said, isn't that offensive? Because I don't always know what's offensive or not. I know certain words and names like the N word are offensive, but when I hear Wandering Jew, I'm like, I, I don't I don't get it. Is that name offensive? So, um, I, I, you know, maybe it'll be one of those things that culture happens to change, like the syrup lady. We recently just lost. Uh, the syrup lady on the syrup bottle, and uh, Uncle Ben, I heard, is being is leaving us soon too. So maybe they're going to change the name of this plant from Wandering Jew to something a little bit more culturally appropriate. You could always use its uh, uh, Latin name. I don't have that in, at my fingertips. That's fine. Sarah hears voices and then finds Kenneth Irons in a box. But obviously, this really can't be Kenneth Irons because you can't tell me billionaire Kenneth Irons didn't have a funeral unless his death was. Um, 
never publicly known, but I swear I thought we saw a newspaper uh, saying he died. And also there's no autopsy scar on Kenneth Irons either, so this has to be a ghost. But it's uh, pretty good makeup to make it look like he is definitely uh, a body on a slab in the morgue. Yeah, yeah. And all throughout uh, this episode, she is seeing these visions and, and hearing the voice of Kenneth Irons in her head. And you don't really know whether it's her imagination or it's the Witchblade actually coming in contact with the dead Kenneth Irons, which is a possibility because this is the Witchblade. I don't understand uh, Sarah's question to Gabriel. Gabriel, why didn't you ever ask me out? I don't know. Gabriel always strikes me as being in his like early 20s, and Sarah, um, well, it's revealed in another episode coming up, Sarah is 29. So I guess they could date, but it just that never clicked for me that she had romantic interest in Gabriel? No, no. And, and you know, she casually calls him kid. So why would he... She calls he him kid all the time. Attempt... Yeah. yeah. Why would he even attempt to, to date her if, if she belittles him like that? Right. But we got Sarah's age in another episode that she's 29 years old, so... Yeah. Um, and Danny and his wife are now pregnant, and they're celebrating the pregnancy. Right. Um, why would you want to have a kid again after what just happened? Who knows? Um, I do have to say that Donovan is very forward with his kissing of Sarah. Uh, she could have slugged him. Could have, but didn't. She wanted to be pursued. Donovan visits Gabriel and breaks a uh, few thousand year old, uh, you know, um, what is it? Uh, Our Hourglass, but then buys the drums that Gabriel gave to Sarah as a gift in a previous episode. For $50,000. Which, again, a guy who's been alive since the uh, crucifixion of Christ, he probably should have a lot of money saved up. Yeah, yeah, the the glories of compound interest. Right. Um, <laughs> also, you could probably just steal the money and get away with it. <laughs> I mean, how are people going to stop you if you uh, can outlive a prison sentence? Mm, that's true. Uh, in this episode, one uh, a priest is murdered, uh, Father Horton, and that's what kind of starts off this whole um, case. So Father Horton took a confession from a person that he called death, and which was actually Daniel Germain. And he's looking for Sarah because Daniel Germain believes that the only thing that can kill him is a divine weapon, of which the Witchblade is one. Kenneth Irons talking with Ian Nottingham he, Kenneth puts into Ian's head that this might be the relationship, the, uh, quote unquote, the eternal love, which would kind of illustrate that uh, Concubar's role in season one, where it's the lover that comes back and back and back. And I guess Ian is kind of afraid that this is that lover and he doesn't want to be, I don't know, usurped, uh, his control over. Sarah, in some way, he's jealous, all of these things with with Ian. So Ian ends up slashing his throat right after a romp in bed that Sarah and uh, Daniel had. Yeah, um, and, it, and Kenneth, keeps getting, uh, Kenneth keeps calling Sarah throughout the episode. It seems like any time there's a romantic entanglement with Sarah, the Witchblade, um, it, it, it's not as much the Witchblade, but like Kenneth Irons... Uh, helping manipulate events in his favor in some way to prevent Sarah from having happiness. Um, previously, when uh, Constable was killed by the uh, the Irish Mafia, he um, or no, it was the Irish Republic. It was the Republican Army. 
I think so. Um, he told Sarah that the Witchblade didn't want her to be happy. I guess the same thing has come around now. Um, Sarah, you know, just watches in slow motion, screaming out, No! As Nottingham kills uh, Donovan and Dan. yeah, Daniel. Um, but then he comes back to life. I don't know. It's just like we're just doing the same thing kind of over again with uh, Sarah's love life and not ex- exactly advancing it in any way. This guy is one and done in one episode where his consta- constable was at least, what, two episodes, three episodes? Yeah, Conkabar was, Conkabar. I think, three. Yeah, Conkabar was three. There was one, and then there was one that they're dating, and then there's the one that he dies. Yeah. Um. I guess maybe the writers didn't know what to do with Sarah's love life. Maybe, but, I mean, the the whole... But a lot of times they write love lives into women's female shows because they think that's what the female listener wants, you know, watcher wants to see. And it's the whole reason why we have such a forced, horrible, romantic entanglement in um, Attack of the Clones, because Lucas thought the same thing. Yeah, I I mean, though, in Attack of the Clones, there had to be a birth at some point. Well, that didn't happen until the end of Revenge of the Sith. True. So that, but they, they, they wrote it horribly horrible they just wrote it really horribly there are some scenes that really work but there are scenes that don't work whatsoever at all most of that most of that romance in that in attack of the clones does not work there's like two scenes in that movie that work there's the one where he comes back and admits to padme what he did when he found his mother and what he did to the tuscan raiders there is the um you know when they're uh when they're um when they're about to be um what what is it? They they're, they're in the pit with the monsters with Obi Wan. They're about to be executed. That was real. That was fine too, because that's when she finally admits that she does love him. But all everything leading up to that, like you know, we can live a lie. I hate sand, and they're like rolling around in the fields. That was just all terrible. But uh, it, they could have done it the same thing there. But again, I just don't think the the writers knew what to do with Sarah's love life in this episode whatsoever. Yeah, it had some really good make-out scenes, uh, really hot stuff there, but uh, yeah, the, the entirety of this character being such a powerful mythological character didn't really seem to go along with the show. <laughs> no, um, and he dies, and we never see him again, and I'm okay with it. I love Jeffrey Donovan and everything, but I just feel like uh, I forgot that he was in this episode, and I just feel like he was completely wasted as a talent to do anything uh, for this episode. Moral of the story is, never date Sarah Pizzini. <laughs> yeah, and, and Vicky, the um, the forensic specialist, like she is really discovering some mighty weird cells from uh, Daniel, you know. So, I mean, if she could have written a book on all the weird findings that she finds from Sarah's cases, that would have been pretty interesting. Also, I mean, her and Sarah become friends all of a sudden. There's like been it's always been a work workplace workman, you know, workplace relationship. But then all of a sudden they're having wine together when uh, the drums are delivered. That didn't make any sense. Also, the guy who delivered the drums, he was like, that was pretty funny. That guy was. So weird. That's one of yeah. That was one of Gabriel's friends. He has alluded to having his friends help him on it, on deliveries and things before, but we just haven't seen how punk rock his friends are until now. Right, and there's no credit for this guy in the episode whatsoever. Um, yeah, nothing. The uh, 
The only two extra credits listed for the episode are for Grace Ar- uh, Armas and Natalie Charles, who played nurse, at, who played one of the nurses, and pl- who plays the waitress. Yeah. That's it. Oh well. Um, that's it. that's all everything I have for this episode. Yeah, Daniel plunges himself on the blade, so she didn't actually kill him so much as allow the witch blade to kill him. And yeah, and that's that's the episode. Uh, wrapped the, up one shot deal. The priest. Um, was alive from 1923 to 2017. He passed away. Very long career, but very short career of IMDb credits. So he must have done other things. Was in the yeah. Three Musketeers, but doesn't say who he played. That's all the notes I have for this episode. That's all the notes I have for this episode. Uh, come back in another week or so for the next two episodes of Witchblade the series. You can check us out on the Dead TV podcast on Facebook. You can send us an email at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. I use my Twitter more than Mr. Zeneca. She needs to use her Twitter more. Uh, at Christy I'm SAV. On at Christy SAV and at Elegantly Kiki. But if you want to, you can send us an email at at gmail.com. And again, come back in about a week or so because we're late on this episode being posted uh, for the next two episodes of Witchblade the series. Mm-hmm.